0: Welcome to Impact, where we focus on helping you grow a business that amplifies your unique genius, multiplies your income, and transforms lives. Each episode, you'll discover an actionable framework based on what's working right now for top brands and thought leaders. In this episode, I talk to my friend Melody Wilding about how she found the signature idea that became her first book. She shares with us some tips for overcoming things like overthinking, the inner critic, and perfectionism. And we talk about why sensitivity is a superpower and how to use it to succeed in your business. Hello, friends, and thank you for listening to another episode of Impact. I'm your host, Jason Van Orden, strategist to thought leaders. I love helping people like you to get your ideas out there in the world and create a business that supports you in doing the work that you do best so that your ideas can have an impact on the people and the problems that you can help most. As we start out this episode, I have a confession to make, and that is I can really be an overthinker. In fact, I might even call myself a chronic overthinker. Over the years, I've found ways to be aware of it, to catch it, to mitigate it, but it's still something I have to always be aware of. And right along there with that overthinking comes things like the inner critic who can really try to tear me down and keep me from doing, re- reaching those goals that I set for myself or the perfectionist that really takes me down a rabbit hole and keeps me from putting work out there in the world. Instead, I'm sitting there fiddling with it, trying to get it just right. So whenever I find practical ideas and skills that can help me to manage these things, I'm all about it. I love taking those things in and trying to integrate them into my life the best I can, and then, of course, sharing them whenever appropriate. And that's what I want to do today on the show. Have you ever had that experience when you read a book and it feels like every word was written for you? I know I certainly had that experience reading Brene Brown's books, and that's exactly what it was like when I read Melody's book, Trust Yourself. You know, I think one of the most amazing things a book can do for a reader, at least a nonfiction book, is... You feel seen, you feel understood, and you feel like you know yourself better. And there are many things, many ways that Melody's book helps with this and many things I love about her book. But right there at the top is the fact that it is packed with practical skills based on psychology and neuroscience that are there to help with things like overthinking and perfectionism and imposter syndrome and and all those things that threaten to get in the way of the work that we want to do. Putting your ideas out there in the world is not easy to do. And it certainly takes a high degree of trusting yourself, trusting your intuition, trusting your abilities, trusting your ideas and believing that they have value for those that will find them and that will consume them. And so this is a topic that I think is perfect for anybody listening to this show, because this show is all about getting those ideas out there in the world. It's her book, Trust With Yourself, is one of the most impactful books I've read in the past year, so I'm thrilled to have Melody on the show to talk about these groundbreaking ideas and to share them with you. It is my pleasure to welcome to Impact my good friend, Melody. How you doing there, Melody?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, excited about your new book, Trust Yourself. And um to give, you know, people an idea of, of the great work that you've been doing, which has really culminated in this book that's that's coming out. I mean, just as a bit of a, a background, I mean, I've so so to let everyone know, you know, we we met at a, a mixer kind of networking business thing. I don't know, maybe it's been five or six years now. It's been a little while.
1: That's hard to believe, uh, but yes, it, it it's it's probably been a, has been, been a that long. Of years. <laughs>
0: Um, you know, and we've gotten together at different times for dinners, hang out, mastermind things and and such. But um, and then I just like with real, you know, interesting curiosity kind of watch. I mean, I know you've you've done coaching work for a while, and then you started writing really consistently. And when we first met, you were still kind of like working out, like where's because there's a lot of different, yeah. you had a lot of great talents, a lot of knowledge, and you're trying to, and then suddenly you started talking about this thing with sensitive strivers. I mean, it wasn't suddenly, but you know, and I could just mm-hmm. see it in your posts and in your content that you'd write. And then suddenly I started finding myself in what you were saying. I'm like, whoa, okay, she's like really onto something that's resonant for me here. And then it's just been so cool to like, you know, watch it. Just, you just started getting very clear. I'm sure I'm assuming just through doing client work and hearing the same things and seeing the same things and coming up with the tools and then just finally landing on okay this is who i know i can help and how i can best help mm-hmm. them right i don't know if that's how it felt to you but it was just really cool as a practice yeah. to this whole thing to like kind of watch it you know and now it's culminating and I mean, i'm not saying that it's the end of what you're going to come up with obviously probably <laughs> the beginning of much more great work to come but then you know, coming together in this book. Um, and that's at least my yeah. perspective from the from the outside. Um, what has that felt like for you? And then we'll get into the specifics of what is, you know, sensitive strength. No,
1: I'm, I'm so glad you asked because probably around the time we met, th- this book has been five years in the work. Yeah. So it was probably around the time we met when the first kind of genesis of it came about. And how it happened is that I was speaking at an event and a publisher came up to me after the event and said, Hey, been reading what you write. I follow you. Uh, here's my card. Would love for you to write a book. I don't care what you write about. And I was shocked. Wow. <laughs> I was excited, but shocked and really taken aback since writing a book was, you know, a life dream I, mm. I had had. And um, from there, kind of felt like, okay, well, I got to do this now. And so uh, I wrote a very rough proposal for that publisher. They gave me a a two-page template, um, which I thought was a book proposal, came to understand that, no, a proper nonfiction book proposal is 100 pages or more. (laughs) Um, And so I wrote this very quick book proposal, kind of just said, well, I guess I can turn this idea into a book. And it was very generic, kind of women in the workplace being confident, didn't have any um, specialty to it. And before I know it, I had a, I had an offer within a week and, uh, was very, yes, was was very excited, but again, taken aback and said, hold up here. I, I need help with this, sorting this out. There were all sorts of royalty numbers I didn't understand. Um, and so, found an agent, uh, through, you know, going to all the, my books over here, flipping to the back, finding an agent who came up frequently and Mm. cold outreached. And she gratefully agreed to represent me. And she was the first person who said, I don't think this is the book you want to write this proposal. I get the feeling this is not the book you want to write or a mentor, write." Yeah. And it was, she called me out in the, in the best way possible. Um, But from there, I'm mentioning this because I went through really a dark night of the soul of trying to figure out what do I stand for? What am I writing about? What do I say that's different than any other coach that's out there? And I knew there was something there. I could sense there was a nugget, but I could not for the life of me put my finger on it. And I wrestled with what I was writing about. I had no idea what I was going to write about for almost three years. And it was actually, we had a conversation one time that was really transformative mm. to me. We met at a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, one of those public spaces in New York. It was like yeah. an atrium. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, And we sat down and you had a napkin or a piece of paper and you scribbled on there. You were talking about building frameworks and mm. kind of building your thought leadership. And I was just enraptured. Oh, wow. by this. Okay, cool. And it was, it was life-changing for me because mm-hmm. that was when I figured out, you know, I have to, it, it really just helped everything gel together for me that I had to figure out who I was talking to and what was unique about them and turn that into some sort of a framework. And that was in part what inspired me to go home. I, I went home shortly after that and took my whiteboard and wrote down every challenge that I had dealt with with my clients, you know, the big buckets, perfectionism, imposter syndrome, people pleasing, overworking, burnout. And I stepped back from that board. Well, I tried to group them, sort mm-hmm. of mind map them together, which yeah. also got from you. <laughs> nice. And I saw that they clearly fell into two categories. There was a high sensitivity piece uh, emotional overwhelm, overthinking situations, and then a high achieving piece, being very driven, setting a lot of goals, putting a lot of pressure on yourself. And I just had one of those light bulb moments where I said, sensitive striver. Oh my God. Sensitive striver. And then proceeded to go down the route of wait, is that dumb? I don't think that, (laughs) I don't think anybody's going to resonate with this. And so, um, that was, you know that was that was really the journey of of getting to this point so thank you because you were a huge part in helping me get there and, and helping me realize that i needed something um, proprietary and original and a way to encapsulate my knowledge in a way that i could teach it in a framework people would understand
0: yeah well
1: yeah.
0: i feel like you've really nailed it and i'm just beyond excited to hear that I played even some part in that. I now remember that conversation totally at the atrium at uh, Lincoln Center in Manhattan. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, and it's funny and expected because I've been through it and all my clients have been through it to hear you go like, but then I immediately ask myself, is this dumb? And like having, you know, I haven't I haven't seen the, the whole book yet because I'm waiting for my priority copy to come, but I've been through a course version of some of the stuff that's in the mm-hmm. book, right? Yes. And it's really good. Like everything from like the definition of what it is and how resonant it is and how you present it. And I'm not just like, yeah, just saying that, like it's really, you nailed it. But and so now I'm curious and we're kind of still at a meta yeah. level. That's great. Because I think that it's really useful for um, the audience also to hear some of the, the meta level of how this all happened. So my... Mm-hmm. My last, I think, last question on that is, so what, how did you, because I'm really glad you decided not to say, oh, that's dumb and move on (laughs) because it turned into something that I think is going to just be fantastic and help a lot of people. How how did you get past that? Did you, (laughs) did did you stress test it? Did you just sleep on it for a few weeks? Like what, how'd you get through that? Well, there's,
1: there's a reason the book is called Trust Yourself. You know, we Mm. teach what we most need to learn most of the time. So um, yeah, part of it was, I, I know I have something when an idea won't leave me. And uh, it was just something that, you know, I said, let me sit with it. Let me see if it sticks around. And I, I have Tim Ferriss in my head who says the good S sticks, yes. so to speak. Yeah, and yeah. so, um, yeah, it was something that just stuck with me. And I said, okay, I have to start floating this out. I have to start mentioning it to my audience, talking more about, because at that point I had mentioned um, high sensitivity and me being a highly sensitive person and those articles had performed well. Um, But I started floating it out more explicitly to my list and my audience. And once I started mentioning the actual term, there was just immediate recognition for this is me. Oh, my God. And people even just understanding the term is self-explanatory. So people just instantly got it and identified with it. And that was when I knew that, okay, there's there's something here and it's powerful to have this identity that can be Empowering, and I can build a community around, and other people can find community in. Um, so that was how I got past it: is is really listening to my own intuition and my gut of this won't leave me; it's worth pursuing, and then actually testing it out in the world to see what the response was.
0: Yeah, amazing. Well, I'm. I think we've probably teased people long enough, <laughs> like <laughs> talking about how you came up with this and and my yeah. uh, effusive opinions about it. But um, let's talk about okay, what is a sensitive striver? And, yeah. and why why has that be, this become an important thing? Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. what, what, what is a sensitive striver?
1: Yeah, a sensitive striver is someone who is both highly sensitive and high achieving. So in other words, they are a person who thinks and feels everything more deeply than most people, and they're also extremely driven to be the best version of themselves that they can be. So biologically speaking, this is about 15 to 20% of the population that has a genetic trait disposition. So we are wired differently right. to pick up on more of the environment, more stimuli, more of what's happening both within us and around us. So we're highly attuned to our own emotions as well as those of other people. We are deeply caring and committed. We give our 110% to everything we do, all with an inner world on overdrive. Mm-hmm. So sensitive drivers tend to be that person who looks like they have it all together on the outside, but on the inside, there can be a lot of turmoil and a lot going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's because we process information more deeply. We take in more information and process it more deeply than other people, which if we don't have the right tools to manage our sensitivity correctly, um, can lead to stress, overwhelm, overthinking, and, and all of those downsides. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah one of the one of the most important things i've learned in my personal development is uh, you know not just to identify my my strengths but more importantly that strengths and things that sometimes challenge us are just two sides of the same coin mm-hmm. and things that i would be really frustrated with about myself and wish i wish i could just root that up and get rid of it were actually like actually inextricably tied to also things that I liked about myself and that others appreciated. And you know, you know, that's probably some of the reason why they work with me sometimes. An example might be that I can really go into deep research and I can love doing deep research and go and you know, my people in my life rely on me for that or they ask me for a suggestion or and they know that if I give them an answer, I have thought it through. I've done the research. At the same time, it can be very indecisive, right? I can be like, oh, I yes. want to buy this thing or do this thing, whatever, but I'm on a research to no end. Right. Two sides of the same coin exactly. and it was freeing. And also just, I don't know, relieving to understand that that was the case because for one, I think it lended itself to a little more self-compassion of like, okay, mm-hmm. no, no, these are just, you know, it's about understanding and knowing when and how and when to mitigate and when to use it and accentuate it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's all you talk about, this with sensitive strivers that, that you've, you've mentioned, you know, some of the ways that um, we show up in the world, which can be a challenge. It can be very draining to be in a mm-hmm. high, intensity room or to, you know, you, you might be able to be good at holding space with someone who needs your, but you know, you're feeling all their feelings and afterwards you might just say, oh my gosh, I am like
1: mm-hmm.
0: gone, drained. Um, so, but then on the other hand, these, there's like, these are superpowers and also yeah. some of our biggest challenges. So mm-hmm. let's give maybe a few examples of, of that, because that was really helpful for me to understand when it came to realizing, oh, I'm a sensitive striver and this is yeah.
1: what for me. Yeah. So it might be helpful to share the framework. That <laughs> that I developed. Yes, please. So, yeah. So sensitive striving, you know, it can feel like, it can feel very unruly at times. Right. And so I created this framework. It goes by the acronym strive, very easy to remember. And it describes the six core qualities that make up being a sensitive striver. So these at once can be our source of strength, as you were saying, Or at the same time, if unbalanced, can be a real source of agony. Mm -hmm. So the first one is S for sensitivity. And by that, that might seem obvious. Well, of course, I'm a sensitive striver. I'm sensitive. But what this refers to specifically is sensory sensitivity. So it's, it's that we have a heightened nervous system response, a physiological response to everything that's happening around us. So, again, we're very highly attuned. We're very present. Uh, but we can get easily overstimulated and overwhelmed, especially if we feel put under pressure or as as if we're being observed or evaluated. That can really send us reeling. So that's S sensitivity. T we have thoughtfulness, sensitive drivers, highly uh, contemplative, reflective, intuitive, deep thinkers. But on the flip side, that can turn into overthinking, worrying, indecision, doubt. And sometimes we can be almost so self-aware that we're self-critical, mm-hmm. almost so oh, yeah. self-aware of what we're doing that it goes yeah. in the other direction. Um, So that's our S, our T. Then we have R, which is responsibility. So sensitive strivers, we are dependable. We are the person you can rely on to follow through, but we can't bear to let people down. So even if it comes at the expense of our own well-being. So we will always be there. We're the team player till the end. We will pick up the work, even if it's not our job. Yeah. Then we have I, which is inner drive. And sensitive strivers, this is the ambition piece. So we have this drive to exceed expectations in everything that we do. And not to just climb the ladder. I think people often think striving means... You know, I want, I want to be CEO one day and it, it doesn't, it means striving to be the best version of yourself. So, uh, my clients are always wanting to learn and grow and challenge themselves. They set a lot of goals and they set high goals for themselves, but that can look like perfectionism and they might set Hmm. an unrealistically high bar for success or just keep themselves in such a state of overworking that they're burned out and exhausted. Um, fifth, we have vigilance. So that's our V in strive. And that's being very attentive to other people's needs. So we have a keen ability to read subtleties in the environment, you know, a shift in your boss's body language, the general mood of a room, right? You can sort of just pick up on what's happening in a, in a second. But as you were saying, you know, being on high alert like that is is very draining because it's as if your antenna is always up or you're, your sponge taking yeah. in all of that information. And sometimes we are so vigilant, we are anticipating so much that we think that there's danger where there is none. So, reading into feedback, for example. And then, last, our RE is emotionality. So, sensitive strivers are, as you would expect, very sincere, empathetic. We feel things in a big way, we have complex, more intense emotional responses both positive and negative. So we have the joy of positive emotions like gratitude and excitement, and at the same time can get stuck in more intense modes of negative emotions like anger, fear, uh, anxiety, and stay stuck in those longer than most people. So as you were saying, you know, I like to think of each of these stri- strive qualities as on a balance, right? So when they're when we're fully balanced, we're able to reap the upsides and and the best of what our sensitivity has to offer. The conscientiousness, loyalty, drive, empathy, emotional intelligence, all of those wonderful things. But when we're unbalanced, that's where some of the downsides, the challenges come out, like the perfectionism, people-pleasing, overfunctioning, overthinking, burnout. And so that's why it's so essential to know yourself, understand your strive qualities so you can create tools to balance them in the most effective way possible
0: right yeah i mean every one of these i can think of ways that they show up in my life both as an advantage for me and those around me and also as a challenge yeah. for me and probably sometimes for the people around me like it can mm-hmm. challenge your your uh, your relationships and your connections <laughs> and, and things like that right um so then what so, so it sounds like for, for one as with many things it's there there's a key to having a certain awareness of this, mm-hmm. knowing, hey, it sounds like I'm a sensitive striver, um, and this is what that means, so that you can be, you know, start thinking about how those those things show up in your life. Mm-hmm. How? And, and maybe some have listened to this framework already and going like, yeah, I think that might be be me. Uh, what, what what other insights can you offer in terms of somebody listening to this going like, okay, yeah, I'm trying to figure out if this is definitely me or not. Um, do you have like an, an assessment? We don't have to talk through the whole thing here, obviously, but I'm just curious, like, how do you find out like, okay, yeah, this is, this is me.
1: (laughs) I do. So there is the first chapter of the book is actually all assessment and yeah. yeah, And I can, I can give you, there is a quiz in there to figure out if you're a sensitive striver. So some of the things on there are, I experience emotions to an unusual level of Mm -hmm. depth and complexity. So check. I have a strong desire to exceed expectations in every aspect of my life. I consider myself to be driven and ambitious. I need time to think through decisions before I act. So let me just pause there because a hallmark of sensitivity is pausing before taking action. And that's why sensitivity has stuck around. Evolutionarily speaking, it was beneficial for some people in the group to be cautious, to be more tentative before running into an unexpected situation. That's why certain parts of the group survived. Um, So that kind of pausing before acting hallmark of sensitivity. I
0: want to pause there just for one second, because that's definitely me. And if I think back through my life so often, I have ended up in both professional and romantic relationships where I am the pauser, the breaks, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, and the person I'm with, working with, or, you know, in life with, or just friends and stuff are very quick start, very let's go, you know, which has its time as well. You know, my last business, Internet Business Mastery, um, which you're, you know, you listen to as well back in the day, I was with a, pa- a partner in that business who was very much a quick start, or he'd have a high idea about the business or his life. Like he could make a decision in his life and bam, be trying that on and doing it in a matter of days. And I was just like, whoa, and sometimes it's sometimes a matter of hours where I'd be like, okay yeah that might be good let me go do the yeah. trade right? or think about mm-hmm. it or uh check in with myself um so i just wanted to yeah I, <laughs> so that's something people can think about too i think you can think about some of your relationships and i think sometimes you do end up and this i think back to this how this can be a challenge and a strength i think that's one of the reasons a lot of entrepreneurs hire me mm-hmm. is a lot of entrepreneurs are quick starts and then they're like i need somebody like you to have the outside perspective that's sometimes going to say, whoa, okay, I'm going to ask you a few questions here, or I'm going to go do a little bit of looking and come back to you with a couple options just to make, or whatever, Mm -hmm. right, the case may be. And um, so I guess I just wanted to share that for whatever anybody listening, that they can also be thinking about those types of things and how they show up in their own pursuits, relationships, um, et
1: cetera. 100%. Well, and what I love about what you're saying is that I think traditionally, we're taught that a good entrepreneur is someone who makes fast decisions. You move quickly, you're decisive, you take big, bold action. And there's, there's this very, uh, you know, if you know the disc, there's yeah. that very red energy or yeah. that sort of quick start energy. Yeah. And as sensitive people, I don't know if you had this experience, but I certainly did that you grow up your whole life Being told, stop taking things so personally. Why are you being Mm. so sensitive? Why don't you grow a thicker skin? And so you come to think that your way of being is wrong. And that's exactly why the book is called Trust Yourself, because so many sensitive strivers spend their entire lives doubting themselves and undermining themselves, thinking their way of being and approaching the world is the wrong way to go about it, when actually we just you know, societally have just not been taught to respect or value sensitivity. It's sort of this silent superpower that so many people have.
0: Right. Well, and in in entrepreneurial circles often, you know, in, in high, um, high stakes, corporate mm-hmm. biased action, you know, right. go, go, go. And that definitely has its place. And there have been times mm-hmm. I have shamed myself for being a thinker, having this thoughtfulness, yeah. you know, piece of of the mm-hmm. equation. And so, you know, this is an example where it was helpful for me to go like, oh, wait, okay, I, yeah, in the tribe,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I've got a place too, you know, because you do need the careful people at time or the thought, yeah. thought. and and not that the other people are thoughtless because that's the whole, you know, but the, you're right, they're like, they mm-hmm. biased to action, and that serves them well at times, right? So that's a great yeah. example of that balance. Um, okay, you have a few other questions there you want to throw out?
1: Let's see. Yeah. So we had said just go back to my list here. Um, So thinking through decisions before you act. Mm -hmm. I have an inner critic that never takes a day off. (laughs) I'm kind, compassionate, genuinely empathetic to others. I have a keen ability to sense other people's feelings. I often put other people's needs out of my own. I find it difficult to set boundaries and often say yes too much. I've struggled with burnout in the past. I'm easily impacted by stress. I struggle to turn off my mind because it's constantly filled with thoughts.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, I relate to that. Um, I feel anxious when caught off guard or know I'm being watched. I hold myself to high standards and judge myself harshly if I make mistakes. I fear feedback and take criticism to heart.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you read, read through those because basically anybody, and I'm sure anybody listened to this probably said yes to at least a few of those like because we yeah. all you know these are all human um experience things but anybody who's like yes yes mm-hmm. chuckling to themselves groaning yes yes clearly you need to go buy, <laughs> you need to go buy <laughs> melody's book um because yeah every one of those i'm like yep 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 mm-hmm. yep yep. um and that's great that you have that assessment so okay cool so we've we've helped people hopefully with a, a new awareness of that and i like you know, in the way that you teach us and lay it out, it's in such a way that it's like, it is about awareness. It's like, look, if you struggle with these things, you're not, you're not defective, right? All these things that people have probably shamed themselves for because they aren't the quick start, because they aren't the whatever. um, It it gives us new like, okay, wait a second. There is a way of being, that of who I am that's okay and that's a really hopeful thing for Mm -hmm. people so then what what are some of the things that somebody's going like okay yep that's me besides reading your book let's give them a couple let's give them like what what are some of those initial things when you've got a client they're like oh my gosh you just explained me and it really caused me a lot of anxiety or whatever like Mm -hmm. what do I do now Melody what what do I do to to like start rebalancing some of this in my life
1: yeah. Well, let's start with what I think is the biggest Achilles heel for so many sensitive strivers, which yeah. is imposter syndrome mm. and doubt, insecurity, whatever you want to call it. It's kind of all of the same thing. Right. And that is that negative self-talk, right? Who am I to be putting myself out there? I'm not an expert. I don't know enough about this. People are going to think it's dumb, right? All of those, those automatic negative thoughts that, that come up. Um And so one of my favorite tools, and you will know this because you have taken one of my courses, Mm -hmm. uh, is naming your inner critic, giving your inner critic an identity that is separate from you. And this is, it's simple, but very powerful because it creates psychological distance from that voice. So many of us are, are very fused with that critic. We see it as part of ourselves, not realizing that it's just one part of ourselves. Right. And when you externalize your inner critic, you can gain distance from it. You gain a second to pause because really what you need is just that second to pause and question, does this thought serve me right now? And if not, what's a more productive thought to think that's going to move me forward towards my goals? And, you know, so many of my clients name their inner critic, something lighthearted, silly character from a movie that helps you relate to it differently, helps you see it is not this paralyzing, scary, daunting thing, but as something that is really just trying to protect you that you can laugh at and treat with more lightness. So I have one client who named his Darth Vader and he got a Darth Vader Lego figure and put it on his desk so that whenever, uh, and he has actually been really active in trying to build more of his own thought leadership. He's a, he's a leader at a, a, a tech company and wants to give back and share all of his lessons. But he has said, you know, at first when we started working together, the track in his head was, there's so many other people doing this. I don't even have a formal education. He took a very non-traditional career path and was just really stuck in that imposter syndrome. But even just having this little Darth Vader on his desk would allow him to say, you know, not today, Darth. Yeah, I, I have more important things to do and just put it on his plate put it in its place and mm-hmm. move forward. Um, so that's one very easy, you know, little hack <laughs> for dealing with a negative self-talk.
0: And I went and did that. I named yeah. I named my well, Chester. Was yours. Yes. And then immediately a friend said, oh, that makes sense. And I'm like, it does? Because I was <laughs> just trying to be intuitive. I was trying to trust myself with like the naming of it. Yeah. I named Chester. That makes sense. I'm like, why? And my friend said, because you feel your anxiety in your chest. And that's when you usually know that you're like going to the, <laughs> the, you know, the the needles tilting the one way. I'm like, oh, maybe that's why. I don't know, but yeah, I just called mine Chester. Uh, that mm-hmm. was the name, and then um, I also went to, because of this whole idea of kind of externalizing it and giving yourself, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. kind of personifying it as a, all right to just make it separate yes. from you. Um, and that was that's what I was looking for over here while you were answering. I can't find it because the journal I must have left somewhere else. But it, it was actually a journal about inner critic, and it said, "Draw your inner critic." Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and that was interesting. I went ahead and it did. And it was actually really interesting just to see what came out of me to draw my um, inner critic. Uh oh, that's I think it's a great one. It, it's it's relatively simple, but uh it's it's been useful for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, the separation makes makes a difference.
0: Absolutely. Okay, well, yeah. What else can you share with us?
1: So in the same vein, um, another one, another little trick hack that my clients like uh is something I call the think. Technique, which stands for, it's a really easy protocol to run your thinking through to see, again, is this serving me or is this hurting me? And so all of these tools are meant to give you a second to recalibrate and to access the inner wisdom you have. Mm -hmm. So Think Technique, again, very simple. And my clients will often put Post-its on their computer with THINK on it. T, another acronym. T stands for, is this thought true? Is this thought, do I have factual evidence that proves this is true? Or is this my interpretation or opinion of the situation? Mm -hmm. Is it inspiring? Does it rally me or others to action? Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped H. (laughs) I was gonna
0: gonna say, but you're on a roll, so yeah,
1: H. Okay, so T, H, is is it helpful? Is it helpful? for me or others is it inspiring to me or others is it necessary is it necessary for me to think about or focus on this or make a decision about this right now Mm. and is it kind is it compassionate again to myself or others um and even just evaluating that can get you off of the automatic autopilot thinking and back on a route of actually accessing your own gut sense intuitive wisdom
0: love it Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? That last one is, is one that I'm learning more and more to check in with myself about because there's some very subtle ways Mm -hmm. that I'm not kind to myself. And a little trick that I have there because man, it, it works pretty quickly is I, I I take whatever it is I can hear myself saying or in my mind thinking to myself. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I imagine myself, uh, I imagine my nine-year-old daughter, Yeah. In a similar situation. Mm -hmm. And imagine if I were to then say to that, to her as a response to what she, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe something hasn't gone quite the way that she wanted and, you know, what, and and so, and, and pretty quickly I'm like, Oh, no way, no way. would I say that to my Mm -hmm. daughter out loud, um, or want her to like pick up any kind of vibe of that from me. And then it's like, okay, well then why am I -hmm. allowing that thought to take, repetitive root in my own brain about myself, mm-hmm. right? Um,
1: well, and then I, I try did... to
0: do something else, like just laugh at it instead. Like it's like, oh, yeah, okay. So or, or whatever, you know, I'm trying to think of an ex- example here to make it more concrete. But I think anyway, that's a technique that that I've used in checking that kindness, because sometimes when it's very subtle, it can be hard. It's like, No, I'm just trying to motivate myself. or I'm just trying to figure right. this out. But the moment I think about it, I'm saying it to my daughter, I'm like, Oh, no, okay, yeah, that's, that would not feel good to her. Therefore, I'm not going to say it to myself either, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think you you make an important point there about, you know, we're conditioned to use fear and criticism as a motivator. Right. And that's part of adjusting the inner drive side is people think that if I'm more compassionate and kind to myself, I'm going to lose my edge, right? I'm going to become so lazy. True. So true. Right? And it's exactly the opposite. Research, study after study shows that people who are more compassionate and self-accepting are higher performers um and so we we kind of have the equation backwards with that yeah
0: wow i hadn't i hadn't thought about this so true and because there are times that um yeah it essentially is a lack of trust it's like i'm pushing myself too hard to figure it out right now or to do it all right now or i'm like running on fumes and pedal to the mm-hmm. metal and, and and essentially if i think about it one of the things that i'm or, or not, rather not doing is trusting that I'll figure this out later. Mm-hmm. If I'd stop and come back later, I, I will come back to this. I will get it done. Um, I won't, you know, just slack off or, or let it be or not find the creative solution. I've done that many, many times. Even sometimes at the last minute, I figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. And to like sit there and grind, you know, in these unkind thoughts because mm-hmm. it, it's a form of not trusting myself that not trusting that I, um, the future, future Jason, I guess is what I'm not trusting. Right.
1: Yeah. And also goes against your qualities and what you need as a sensitive striver, which Mm. is space and time to process. And so, right. And sometimes we, we starve ourselves of that opportunity, right. Of I do my best thinking and my, my best most creative thought comes when I take in consume a lot, but then allow myself to synthesize it. Ah. Uh, because, Sensitivity is not something I created. It's a well-researched topic for decades now. Dr. Elaine Aaron is the one who originally found the research, but I was able to synthesize so much of that from my, my psychological training, from my work with clients. And if I don't give myself that opportunity to be reading, consuming, and then space to be synthesizing and playing with ideas, then I can never just expect myself to sit down and write an article. I'm just not on, you know, command like that. My fiance is exactly the opposite. <laughs> right. um, but I need space to have thought about something before I sit down to do it. Mm. Um, and so it's it's also just kind of questioning. And so much of, of the book is about questioning the external definitions for success we've been fed and redefining what that means for us as sensitive strivers and what we need to be successful.
0: Love it. Well, and that's, that's what your book does for us. So for those, uh, we've, you know, I think we've given some great, I love frameworks. I love acronyms. I love, which is probably one reason why I get so enthusiastic about this. This is the kind of stuff I geek out on. Um, the best place to find out about the book, tell people where they
1: can go is melodywilding.com backslash book. And as you said, for a pre-order period, we are also offering some really fantastic bonuses. Uh, If you buy three or more books, you and everyone you buy a book for gets access to a month-long coaching immersion with me. So um, yeah, it's going to be fun, and I hope people enjoy it.
0: Love it. Fantastic. So MelodyWilding.com forward slash book to go ahead and grab your copy of uh, Trust Yourself. And I'm just really excited to see where this goes. I I think the book being out there is just going to lead to even – awesome, just greater things for, for your work and what you're doing. So I'm just super excited to, to support it and to read it myself. Thank
1: you so much. Your, your support means everything. And like I said, you were very instrumental in helping me get to this point. So I, I deeply appreciate you.
0: Well, that has made my day. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for your time, Melody. Thank you. I don't have any takeaways to share at the end of this episode or a download for you this time. Uh, The book itself is, is the reference if that's something you want to dive into some more. And it's just it's so good knowing that somebody like Melody's out there doing the work that she's doing to help people like me and like you to overcome the challenges we have and also leverage the strengths that we have in order to create the best work that we can. I also want to quickly mention that she is available as an executive coach as well. If you're ever looking for somebody to coach you through these types of things, uh, then I also highly recommend connecting with her for that. That's it for this episode of Impact. In the next episode, we're going to talk about hot seats. Yes, hot seats like you might have in a mastermind or a coaching situation. Now. I want to share with you some really creative ways that you can use hot seats. And I learned these from my friend, Hillary Weiss. I'm going to bring her on the show to talk about it. And I've had amazing results myself in finding new clients using some of the techniques that she shares. So I'm extremely excited to bring her on the show. We'll talk to you next time.